We're glad you're here with us today on the Christian Ministries Church podcast. We pray God's word speaks to your heart today as Pastor Chapman Laxton shares the word with us. I'll tell you what, I'm glad that y'all are in the house tonight. I'm glad that y'all are here this evening. I'm glad that y'all are with us. Um, If you are joining us for the first time or if you are watching uh, online, or if you are listening on podcast for the first time and you've never heard me before or seen me before, uh, congratulations. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, my name is Chapman Lax. I'm the youth pastor here at Christian Ministries Church, and I'm so glad that you're with us tonight. Um, we are just continuing on our Heroes of the Faith study, and um, I think this is really, really great for, for a bunch of different reasons, but uh, one of the things that I've said, you know, we, we've defined uh, what a hero is, and a hero is a defender or protector of the faith. Um, but in that, the reasons why we need to look at these heroes is so that we can learn from them, so that we can, so that we can take the parts of their story and how God moved, even, even as a lot of these who we've been talking about in the Old Testament, see how God moved in their life under a different covenant and go, what can we learn from their life? You know, and it's, it's important for us to see that there is something in the way that they live their lives that make them a hero, that, that, that separated them from just everybody else. There's something in, in how they chose to live their life purposely and intently under the authority of God that we have to be able to look at and go, okay, what can I learn? There are forefathers in the faith. They are, there are mothers of our faith. They are, the, they are the men and women who have set us an example to follow after. And we can look to them again. We've, we've said this, but I want to say it. I want to make sure we reiterate. It's not because they are perfect. Nor is it because they didn't make any mistakes in their walk with God but it's because they continued to walk with God and they continued to honor God in spite of those mistakes or things that they did or things that they found. And what we can see through all of that is that while they may not have always been perfect, their faith remains strong. And that's the example that we need to get, that we need to glean from, that our faith can be strong. Because there's nothing stronger than a Christian who is filled with a strong faith. The other side of that coin is, though, there's nothing weaker than a Christian who has a weak faith or no faith at all. So that's what we want us to see. We want us to see that faith, like our lives, are living, moving, and breathing things. And that God meets us where we are, but intends to take us deeper. And again, that's why I really have enjoyed us seeing that these heroes are so vital to us Because, again, what they do is they reveal the possibilities of what our faith can be in what I believe and consider to be a better covenant in the New Testament. So then, with that being said, let's jump on in on who we're going to be talking about tonight. And that is none other than Jacob. We're going to be talking about Jacob tonight. And just a little bit of background on Jacob. He was Isaac's son. That would make him Abraham's grandson. Um, he lived to be 147. Um, you can actually look at that, if you go back and look at Pastor Ashley's uh, picture that he used of, of how old everyone was. Um, they, the scholars estimate 
um, that for about 10 to 20 years of Jacob's life, his grandfather Abraham was alive. So you think about when you start putting him, I like putting it in that perspective as we start to think about, because when we read these, about these heroes chapters apart, we, we don't always get that. But when you think about Abraham was his grandpa, and for about either 10 to 20 years of his life, his grandpa Abraham was alive, you think about your own relationship with your grandfather. Okay, there were some stories that were shared. Okay, there, was, there were some things that were instilled that he got and got to listen to. And I just think that, that, again, it makes these stories come alive to us when we start thinking about it in terms of he was alive whenever his grandpa was alive. And I just think it's really cool. Um, before we kind of dive in and, and dissect um, some of the stories from Jacob's life, I think it's interesting that we need to also understand and kind of have this. It's from, now obviously you can say it's from Abraham and from Isaac, but it's actually from, because we, we say all the time, Abraham uh, had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. <laughs> he had one, okay? Uh, but, but the idea is that there is a, that there is a spiritual lineage, the spiritual lineage of, of our father Abraham that it comes through, right? But it's actually from Jacob that the 12 tribes of Israel are, are come into existence. It's through his 12 sons that he had more than 12 children, but it's through his 12 sons that the actual 12 tribes of Israel um, are set up. And we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit later, but I just always think that it's important that we keep that perspective. Okay, yes, Abraham only had one son, but from Abraham's one son, Isaac, came Esau and Jacob. And from Jacob, both, both Esau had a bunch of kids too, but it was through Jacob that the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, came. And, and so it's important that we keep that in perspective when we're talking, we know who we're talking about, we're talking about Jacob. So um, just to kind of get that out of the way. Um, the, the last thing that I want to say before we, before we really dive into this is this. These men and women are our heroes. But beyond just being heroic and being uh, superhuman-like and, and being uh, beyond what we can maybe ever hope or think, I think the, the realer thing that we can grab from this is they're relatable. Okay, these are people that we can relate to. And it always cracks me up when people say, I, I don't really get the Bible. I can't really relate to that. I can't really make that, I, I can't really make that, apply to my life you know whenever I just read about these people in the Bible just, just these amazing things I just can't really it doesn't really apply to me man you must be really churching it up because these these people in the Bible the, 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 even, the, even Jacob who we're just getting ready to read about man they had some messes and not just messes that just unfortunately just happened upon them like whoa Messes they created for themselves. But I want us to see that I'm not, we're not trying to, and, and it's, we always have the, 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 the blessing of hindsight, right? We can look back and go, oh, well, they should have done this, or they, they should have changed that. But you've got to remember, we're three generations into this, Abraham, Isaac, and now Jacob. We're three generations into God's promises and what he does. They didn't have the whole Bible like we have. They didn't have everything that they could attest to to look back on and go, well, how does this work? Or what is the, they didn't have Pastor Ashley's teaching to follow after, all right? They didn't have all, all the wisdom and all the years to put this in. We're just, we're just a little ways into this deal. And it's kind of like how people try to tear down the, the old basketball players that played in like the 50s and the 60s. 
Like, oh, if those guys were to play today, they'd get smoked by all the, all the real talent that we've got today. Well, do you realize that without those guys with the fundamentals and, and learning, that we wouldn't have anything that we have today? We have to understand that it's the same. The reason why these men and women are called men and women of faith is because they were, they were on the front end of this. They didn't have the benefit of hindsight where they could go back and read on how God did that and God did this. So I want us to be really careful that whenever we read stories like this that we're not like, oh, well, you know, shoot, my life looks way better than, than Jacob's did. I never did any of that stuff that he did. Okay, well, consider he's still, whenever we talk about the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of, he's still one of them three. So we better have a little bit of respect for what God was able to do through him and what Jacob was able to do. We good with that? All right, we said, okay. So Genesis 25, verse 21 here, we're going we're gonna to see uh, Jacob and his brother be born here. So Isaac prayed to the Lord on the behalf of his wife, who, who, who was childless, because she was childless. It says, the Lord answered his prayer, and his wife, Rebekah, became pregnant. And the babies jostled each other within her. I don't know if Melanie can attest. I don't know if Ben and Drew were getting at each other while they were. But she said, why is this happening to me? And she went to inquire the Lord. And the Lord said, two nations are in your womb. And two people will, will from within you be separated. One people will be stronger than the other. And the older will serve the younger. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in the womb. The first came out was red. And his whole body was like a hairy garment. Uh, I'm just, that's just curious to me. I, I don't know. So they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. Now, we see here a prophecy that was given, not by man, but by God. Here's what's happening on the inside of you. Two people a group of two people will be born out of you. And let me tell you this. The younger is going to be over the older. Now, moments older, not much older. Ellie, Levi, not much older, okay? But still, one was born first. Ben, Drew, one was born first, right? Okay? Drew's going, yeah. Uh, but it was, it was Jacob who was grasping the heel of Esau. And it's where we first see Jacob with his name. His name means to clutch the heel of. Now, that's in the English. We translate it as clutch. Oh, how sweet. They were, he was just holding on to his brother. No, in the Hebrew, what that means is, is like to nip at, to get at. The Bible's just so unrelatable. I just can't relate to the Bible. You can't relate. To siblings, getting at one another, I'm telling you, it, it's, it's relatable. Here, Jacob, we see his, his name means to nip at the heels of. And that whole self-fulfilling prophecy thing and all that, no. The Bible is relatable, and we're getting ready to see it here. So jump with me now. It's just right there close. Verse 27. It says, the boys grew up and Esau became a skillful, skillful hunter and a man of the open country while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. So yeah, one boy that was a country boy, well, I guess they were all country boys because that's all they had was country, but one, he was a man of the open country, all right? So he liked being out there, all right? Isaac, however, who had a taste for wild game, 
uh, oh, sorry, excuse me, but Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents, okay? So one boy liked to get out there and be out there, really out there, and then the other one was content to stay at home in the tents. Now, Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah, however, loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country, famished. He said to his brother Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew, I'm famished. It says this is why he's called Edom. Jacob replied, first sell me your birthright. Isn't that just like a brother? Oh, the Bible's just not relatable. I can't relate to the Bible. <laughs> brother, please feed me. I'm hungry. I'll tell you what. Give me your birthright. <laughs> and Esau, even though he's a man of the open country, gets a little bit dramatic here. I don't know how old they were when this happened. Look, I'm about to die. <laughs> what good is my birthright to me if I'm dead? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So Esau swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread, some lentil stew. He ate and drank. Then he got up and left. And here's a really big verse in here right here at the end. So Esau despised his birthright. Esau despised his birthright. I think this is a really good thing for us all to recognize here. And we can laugh about a lot of this, but we got to understand that there's always somebody ready to take what you're not willing to take care of. There's always somebody that if you're not willing to take responsibility and take care of what, what, you, ought to, what you ought to value, what you ought to cherish, what you ought to hold dear, there's somebody looking at it going, I'll take it. Boy, I tell you what, these, these jobs are a dime a dozen. I'll get a job like this. So you don't treat me with... There's somebody, okay, I'll take your job. That church needs me too much. I can't, I, they, 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 that church will just collapse if I leave that church. God will raise somebody else up if you've got that attitude. And, and I want to really quickly, because a lot of times we, some people struggle with the difference between birthright and blessing. And I want you to understand, the birthright was what should have been given to the firstborn as the inheritance of the estate. That's the birthright. The birthright would have been everything that Isaac had accumulated. It would have been the responsibility of Esau to take care of that. Now you might go in your head, well, why would, why would Esau despise his birthright. Why would he look at that and be like, oh, I why do people all the time run away from their responsibilities so that they can do what they want to do? Now you think about that though, in the, in the responsibility, in the birthright that was coming from Isaac to Esau, along with that would have been carrying what? The promises and the responsibility of what God had laid on Isaac. And we start getting into that, and then all of us start kind of scratching our heads a little bit. There's sometimes that, man, the responsibility of heaven is real easy. I like that. Until it requires us to not get to always do what we think that we want to do, or we don't get to always spend 
our weekends how we think that we want to spend our weekends. Or, oh my goodness, it's Wednesday night and now, now I've got to go to church. You just be real careful that you're not despising the responsibility that you said that you want to take up on. That's what the birthright was. It's different from the blessing. And Jacob didn't take the blessing yet. See, a blessing could be given to anybody. Anybody could be, giving a, could be given a blessing. And oftentimes, and, and it's not just with, with Jacob and Esau, there are sometimes that the fathers in the Bible go on and bless the secondborn or even the thirdborn, depending on if, if a tragedy might have happened or some egregious sin that one of the firstborn did. A secondborn son, it wasn't uncommon, well, without something terrible have happened. It wasn't an, a completely uncommon thing for the secondborn to be able to get the blessing, but not the birthright. But Esau despised his birthright. So for some soup, he gave it up. So I want to make sure that before we go on, we're already seeing there's some enmity. There's some nipping at the heels already. And we see that though the birthright was stolen, there was a blessing still available. Until we get to Genesis 27 here. Verse 14. Now, as I'm kind of setting this up, Isaac was old and he couldn't see very good. And he knew he was getting close to the end of his life. So he told Esau, hey, go out there, catch me some of that game that I really like, cook it up nice for me, and you come back and I want to give you the blessing that is owed to you. Now, I want you to think about this. Because, again, people say all the time, the Bible's not relatable, it's not relatable, it's not relatable, I can't relate to that. Well, once again, you've got... (laughs) You've got a mother, you've got a parent trying to push their child into something that they don't trust. Did she, did, Rebecca had already been told that the younger would serve the older. That's from God, not from Isaac. So regardless of who Isaac blessed, do you not think that God couldn't have come in and... Oh, we got to get in here. So Rebecca laid the trap. Put on his clothes, bring me some food, I'll cook it up for him. So here we go, verse 14, Genesis 27. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took his best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with goat skin. She handed them to her son, Jacob, the tasty food and bread she made. And he went to his father and said, Father... Yes, my son, he answered, who is it? (laughs) Jacob said to his father, I'm Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you have told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. And Isaac's wheels are turning. How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord, your God, gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come near so that I can touch you, my son, to know whether you are really my son, Esau, or not. And Jacob went close to his father, Isaac, who touched him, and then said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother, so he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son Esau, he asked. I am, he replied. And so we get there to this point where now Isaac is is getting ready to bless him. And I just want you to paint in your mind a picture of Jacob with goat skin fur on his arms, around his neck, 
probably a little goatskin mustache and beard. And he comes in here holding this food, and he's walking in going, Father, I'm here. And he's like, that doesn't sound like, oh, he's, Father, I have returned. I don't relate to the Bible because everybody, so how many times do we try to pretend to be someone we're not, to get ourselves advanced into something that we think that if we don't have, we're not going to be able to be blessed? And, 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 and if we really think about it, it's just as silly as that right there. It's just as silly as him dressing up. You know, taking advantage of his elderly dad who can't see God of Jacob. Okay, remember. Remember, keep in perspective here. You know, it goes on to say whenever, whenever Esau comes back in verse 32. Father, I'm here. And, and Isaac just begins to tremble. Then who was it that hunted game and brought it to me and ate it just before you came in? I've blessed him. And you begin to see Esau begins to weep and cry out, Isn't it right that his name is called Jacob, the deceiver? Isn't it right that that's his name and who he is? And he turns to his father and he, he, he begins to cry out, Don't you have a blessing for me? Don't you have something that you can bless me with? And again, we go and we see Esau's heart here. He didn't want the birthright. He wanted the blessing. He didn't want what would require responsibility. What he wanted was somebody, just come bless me. Bless me. Something I don't have to do nothing for. Just come and put your hands on me. And Can't you bless me with something? It's really good for us to see that man can only bless you so much. Esau never thought, well, you know what? God can still bless me if I do what's right. God God doesn't have a limited amount of blessing. That's not how God works. Man works like that. We can only bless with how much we have the ability to bless with, okay? And Esau didn't really get that. And to be honest, Jacob at, at this point didn't get it either. But we've got to be able to make that connection. We're going to skip a little bit here because... Now, again, we can't relate to the Bible. The Bible's not relatable. Esau's getting ready to kill his, his little brother, right? Can't relate to that. Can't relate to ever wanting to fight with our siblings and anything like that. So he, uh, Jacob's mom tells him to flee, run and go live with Laban. And uh, in, in Genesis 28, Jacob has a dream. And, and this is a, the dream that's called Jacob's Ladder. And if you read about it, this is the time where God meets with him and basically affirms to him that if you'll continue to do what I say, I will bless you. If you and no matter where you go, I'll be with you. And so we, we, we continue on. So now he's with his, his uncle Laban. And, and, and again, we just can't relate to the Bible because there's just never, family drama isn't a thing that we have to deal with. Uh, you know, it's just too much of that, right? Genesis 29, verse 15. And after Jacob had stayed with Laban a whole month, Laban said to him, Just because you are a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. And now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. And bless poor Leah, she had weak eyes. 
And I don't really know what that means. But bless her. Bless her. She had weak eyes. But Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. And Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you for seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. And Laban said, it's better for that I give her to you than some other man. And here's where we go, oh, Jacob's such a great guy. He worked for seven years for Rachel. What a great guy. But it gets time, you skip on down to a little bit where it says, so Laban brought together all the people, because Jacob says, I've worked for you now for seven years, give me my woman. So Laban brought together all the people for a place and gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and Jacob made love to her. Now, to all the young kids in the room, do you want to know why I can never really get into partying? You want to know why I can never really get into just getting partying? Because, boy, I don't want what happens to old Jacob here to happen. What happens to him? He, he wakes up, and when morning came to, there was Leah. Oh. The weak-eyed one. The deceiver got deceived. As the kids say, the scammer got scammed. All right, the old Uno reverse card got pulled out on him. We can't relate to the Bible because family drama, right? And so he says, well, and bless poor, bless poor Leah's heart. Just bless her heart. Weak eyes. But it goes on, and he's like, why did you deceive me? In, verse, uh, in chapter 29, verse 26, Laban replies, well, it's not really our custom around here. It's not really our custom around here to give away the younger daughter for the older. In-laws, right? Can't relate to the Bible. In-laws. No, bless, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, I don't have in-laws like that. It's just not really our custom around here, boy. It's not, you ain't in it just picking whichever one you want. I tell you what, though. <laughs> I just feel so bad for Leah. I tell you what. You work for me for another seven years, I'll give you the one that you really want. And this is where everyone goes, oh, Jacob's such a great guy. And he goes, okay, deal. And it says, it says at the end of this that it says that his love for Rachel was greater than his love for Leah. <laughs> what did Leah ever do to Jacob? Bless her heart. She just had weak eyes. And, I don't, and again, I don't, I don't know what that means. But here's what's really cool. Here's what's really cool. <laughs> Even though through all this, all this just rascalism, I guess, is the only thing that you can say. I, I, through all this... God still blesses Jacob. God still blesses him. You know, in, in chapter 30, he's wanting to go home. Jacob's wanting to go back. He's wanting to return back to his homeland. And, he, and he's trying to get his uncle to send him away. And his uncle's like, through divination, I have understood that you have blessed me by you being around me. 
Well, if that needs to give you any other hint about his, about his in-laws, divination is witchcraft. Now, Laban must have had weak eyes too because I don't know how you look at how many sheep and goats you have before he comes and you look out there after he's coming. Now you've got all these sheep and all these goats and you can't see what changed. Oh, through divination, I was able to see that through He must have had weak eyes too, bless him. But so what, what happens is they work out this deal where, where he says, I'll tell you what, you give me every spotted, streaked, or marked sheep or goat, and I'll let you keep all the white ones. And Laban goes deal. Just immediately, I agree to that. So what that tells you is there probably wasn't very many speckled, dark-colored, streaked sheep or goats in there because Laban isn't a really nice guy. Basically, he's been getting free labor for two of his daughters. It isn't, those were his wages. Those were Jacob's wages for 14 years of service. And one of them, one of them he didn't want. But God was still able to bless him, and it says that all the sheep... Whatever that Laban decided that he would, okay, the speckled ones. Well, they'll just be, they'll all be born speckled. Okay, the streaked ones. Okay, they'll all just be born that. And, and it says, that, and it says that, uh, that Jacob actually laid in the troughs these stripped pieces of branches of these different trees. And, and on the surface, you might go, oh, well, that's kind of tricky. Or maybe, maybe... bit of razzle-dazzle here. Uh, Valerie's on it, though. Um, but he puts, these, he puts these branches in the troughs, and, and you might think, well, uh, oh, it's him trying to trick Laban. There's some kind of, well, everything that I find, as I have studied, did, did, he, did Laban actually, was he deceived by Jacob by him doing that? There's nothing in that that would have turned the white goats speckled or anything else and if you actually read in chapter 31 Jacob says whatever I was taking care of the sheep God gave me a vision that all the sheep and or all the goats would be born speckled or marked or whatever so so him doing that was nothing other than just him following see in breeding season I once had a dream in which I looked up and saw that the male goats many with the flock were streaked speckled or spotted God gave him a vision that this was going to pass. So I don't know, as you read that and study it, I don't know if God gave him specifics in the dream that he was supposed to do that. I don't know why he did that. But there's nothing that I have found in my research that suggests that those sticks were anything other than just this. The 14 years were gone, and Jacob was willing to depart without any provision except for God's promise. That's what I see. Jacob, his words were, let me leave with my family. I don't, I don't want anything else. I've got all I need, which is God's promise that he's going to be with me wherever I go. But he had just as many ways to make a claim on any of Laban's substances that he had, he had formed because he was the one that did all the work. But he didn't make any claim to it. God was the one that gave it to him. God saw that Laban had been selfish had treated him poorly, 
So in that way, God was going to give him all of his resources. And it would be done in such a way that really neither Laban could complain for something that Jacob could be done because they just were born that way. They just were born marked. They were born speckled. They were born however. And it got to the point that Jacob just outgrew and they had to go. So here's, here's where, I, here's where I, the last part here that I want to read out of this story. And there's, there's more beyond this, but I can't leave without us getting to this point. Genesis 32, as I'm wrapping up here. Genesis 32, verse 22. Now, Jacob's going back to meet his brother Esau. And he sends some servants ahead. And instead of, instead of getting a report of like, okay, Esau's waiting for you, the report that comes back is Esau's coming. And I don't know, I don't know if Esau was really over it, but just kind of wanted to put a little bit of a shiver in his brother's spine, a little bit of just like, just tell him I'm coming. Don't worry about it. Just tell him I'm coming. I'm on my way. I don't know. I, that's just how I think. <laughs> and Jacob's response is, Send all the women and children and all the flocks in front of me. <laughs> Let me send all my, all my servants, all, all the goats, all the sheep. Put everything in front of me. And if he asks, what are all these things, just tell him they're a gift from me. And it says in the, in the previous chapter, in, in chapter 31, the very end, it says that Jacob thought, perhaps I'll be able to convince him to not beat me up is basically what he's saying. So here we go, verse 22 here. It says, That night Jacob got up, took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons, and crossed the, the fork of the Jabbok. Um, and after he had sent them across the stream and sent over all his possessions, so again, he sent everybody now who's in front of him. Jacob was left alone. And it says, And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of, of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. I, I kind of was talking about this today at school. I don't know if he was a Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy. I'm sure Matt Goldsmith could tell me what kind of a hold that you can put on somebody and just get their hip out of socket. I don't know. That's a pretty good move. And it says, and the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man answered, the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he said. And the man said, your name shall no longer be Jacob but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying it is because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. Who says that the Bible isn't relatable? I'll, I've, never, I've never had an angel of God come and wrestle me and tear my, tear my <laughs> socket out. I've never had that happen to me. No, but we all have wrestled with God. We all have had those moments where we have wrestled and we have struggled and we have contended and we have tried and there's an, there, there's an encounter that we have with God where we are left different for the rest of our life. Jacob's name is changed in this. And he's changed from Jacob to Israel. Now, if that doesn't ring any bells, Israel means the possession of God. 
It means God's chosen people. His name goes from deceiver, goes from being the one who's nipping at the heels or causing strife, causing problems, to you are God's possession. You are my possession. You belong to me. Have we not all had that moment? And you have to understand, this isn't a nickname. This isn't like, oh, here comes Slim, and it's a big guy coming in like, like it's ironic. Or Tiny, and it's some huge guy. This wasn't given from God as like, oh, that'll be ironic. No, Jacob was changed to a new name as a new creature. And that's what we all have. Like Saul, who becomes Paul in the New Testament, on his way to kill some more Christians until God comes in and intervenes. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. It's hard for you to struggle against me, Saul. I'm the one that you're persecuting. Let me change you. Let me change your name. Let me change you to somebody else. And you're going to go from being the biggest persecutor of Christians to being somebody who writes two-thirds of the New Testament. Jacob went from being the person who tried to make things happen for himself, being the, the deceiver, being the trickster, being the scammer, to, be calling the, to being called the possession of God to being called triumphant with God. That's why I want us to see that our lives, oftentimes we, we say, I can't relate. I can't bring this to me. I can't see how this story relates to me. You, you need to not read it with such churchy glasses. The Bible is full of instances like this where regular people just decide okay, God, I'm going to give you total control. Okay, God, I'm going to truly listen to what you have to say. Okay, God, I'm going to put your mantle on me and I'm going to let you change me. I want to end by saying this. While there's more to Israel's life, and again, I'm saying Israel and not Jacob. While there's more to Israel, Israel's life... What I hope that you see that has been revealed to you tonight is this. You know, Pastor Ashley and I were talking about this yesterday, and he said something that was really good, so I'm going to use it and give him credit too. Whenever we study someone like Jacob, I don't appreciate their goodness, their godliness, their holiness more. What it makes me do is it makes me appreciate God's goodness more. It makes me appreciate God more. Whenever I study someone like this in the Bible and I look at how he's one of the patriarchs of our faith, I just appreciate God more. What grace. I don't try to tear him down. I just go, oh my gosh, God's mercy is so real. Another thing that I can say is just like Jacob, I found myself in predicaments because of the way that I chose to do things. I chose to try to put myself in a position that caused for me a headache because I didn't trust the plan that God had. But you know what? God's mercy and grace 
still there for me? Even in the times where we might get ambitious or we might get a little trigger happy or we might try to jump the gun a little bit, God's grace and his mercy is still there. And the third thing that I can say is about, about Jacob is this, is that he had an encounter with God that changed him forever. That it left him with a new name, with a new outlook on life, with a new self-fulfilling prophecy inside himself that was given to him by someone else. No longer are you Jacob, you're Israel, you're my possession, you're victorious with me. Each and every single one of us who are saved in this place today, you are a new creature, and God has deposited his Holy Spirit on the inside of you. He says, you are my possession. You are victorious through my son. And I will continue to do the work with you wherever you go. And what that allows us to do is it allows us to move into a place where we leave a production where we leave fruit that is generational. And you think about Jacob's life, and you think about the fact that the 12 tribes of Israel came from him. It's the, it's the, it's the fruit and the production that we leave behind when we allow God to change us. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church, as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church, where it's more than a church, it's family.